Welcome again to our CE Small Groups podcast, Equip to Lead. Before we get stuck into this session, though, I just want to thank you for being a part of this with us. It is encouraging to me that you have faithfully listened through and engaged with these podcasts. As we have just finished our mini-series on Witness, I hope and pray that you have been encouraged to see mission happen in your own context, in your own small group or CEs. For today, we move on to our second component that we want to see outworked throughout all of small groups across the island, which is Bible study. It is a dream of mine to see small groups across the island opening up the Bible together, being formed and fueled by God's word. And to help you lead on this the best you can, over the next few weeks, I'll be here with the wonderful Alison Williams, starting up this conversation about looking at the Bible, looking at what the Bible actually is and how we can find joy in it. And then in the final session together, we will think about how we can lead this onto others in a Bible study together. The prayer is that through these podcasts, you will have a deeper understanding and joy in the Bible that will not only deeply enrich your faith, but those around you. But first, Alison, welcome. It's so nice to have you here. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for inviting me to be part of this podcast series. I'm really, really grateful for the invitation. Um, it's really wonderful to be part of uh, Christian Union Ireland. Um, I am originally, as you can tell, um, from the island of Ireland, but I grew up in Belfast um, in a Christian home. I left to go to university in Wales, of all places, where I met my husband, Hugh Williams, which is why I am a Williams. And we now live in Greystones in County Wicklow. I have two little girls, Kitty and Clara, who are eight and six. Lovely, lovely. Um, so I know you, Alison, because you're a team leader um, in the Republic of Ireland with CUI. Is this something that you've always wanted to do, a life dream of yours? <laughs> well, maybe not a life dream, because I had never heard of, you know, such a ministry before I left <laughs> to go to university. But um. I have to say I really really love this job I love working with students my own time as a university student was incredibly formative for me um I had opportunities to share Jesus in ways I I just never had had before and nothing to do with me but during that period of time I saw lots and lots of people come to faith in Christ so being a student was like life-changing for me um, and I think student life is just the most amazing time with wonderful opportunities for mission. So this job, which involves me supporting staff and supporting them as they support students, is just a great way for an old lady like me to continue <laughs> in this mission field, um, which is one I just really love so much. Really? Oh, thank you. Um, it's really great to have you here and have you with us and see why. Um, I think it's a joy for a lot of people. Um, so how did he end up with us um, working at CUI? Well, there's a long story. <laughs> As I say, um, I studied in Wales. I studied um, in Bangor in North Wales. And um, I worked as a history teacher for a little while. Then I went to work with UCCF, Universities and Colleges Christian Fellowship, um, in Wales. Um, but then after... Uh, another journey that I won't go into. Um, Hugh and I ended up in Turin um, in Italy, where he was the pastor of the international uh, church there. And I worked with the GBU. Working, the GBU, sorry, is the uh, university's um, Christian fellowship in Italy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I worked there with international students and we had such a fruitful time of ministry um, living in Turin for eight years. But we had a growing um, sense of burden for Ireland. 
-hmm. and began to look at different opportunities here and last August um, we returned to Ireland to start a ministry in Greystones. Mm -hmm. Hugh's the uh, lead elder there in Hillside Church and then I started working with CUI part-time. Amazing, amazing. Um, that's really cool that it seems like a lot of your life has been devoted to <laughs> student ministry and seeing that grow which is like I think that's really cool. It scares me because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Once you start, you can stop, Andy. Yes, yeah, so I'm like, where, where's, where's, where's God leading me? Um, <laughs> I can trust in Him. Um, so it's so nice to have you. Um, thank you for your time and wisdom with your work with CYF for this podcast. And so today we're starting off a mini series in the Bible. Think about what the Bible is and why we have it. And I'm just going to start here by saying, when I think about it, the Bible is actually pretty weird and complex. And there's a lot of voices telling us different things about what the Bible is. And it's quite difficult just to wrap our heads around. But to start off this conversation, I think it might be helpful thinking what the Bible isn't. Um, so think about some of the misconceptions about the Bible. Like, what do you think are uh, the misconceptions or the you know, wrong beliefs? Mm. Well, <clears throat> I know myself growing up in a Christian home, I had some interesting misconceptions about the Bible. Um, so for me, growing up, the Bible was this kind of bumper book of facts and stories. And I used to love learning things by heart. And as a church, we would have scripture exams and Bible quizzes. So, you know, I knew the Ten Commandments off by heart. I knew how many times Israel walked around Jericho. I knew the kings of Israel and Judah. And, um, you know, even now I could give most people a run for their money on a Bible quiz. <laughs> but, you know, I just had missed the point of mm -hmm. the Bible and what it was. Um, in John 5, 39, Jesus says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. But, you know, with all my eagerness to learn the Bible, I was missing um, Jesus and because I didn't understand that that's what the scriptures were for. So that, I think that's quite a common misconception, this idea that the Bible is information download and, uh, and, and where you go for information. But I also think um, another common misconception within the church, within Christianity is um that the Bible is like a guidebook or a roadmap kind of thing. Um, when I was um, a staff worker with U7 Wales, I had a wonderful um, pastor called Geraint. And um, he really taught me a lot about how to read and understand the Bible. But when he was, um, he worked for UCCF many, many years ago. And he had been involved in a really itinerant ministry around Wales. And he and was telling me about how he misused the Bible, um, but yeah, how the Lord used it for good. So let me give you this example. He was working in Wales, traveling around, and he'd been given a call to go to um, a church in a place called Abergavenny. Mm -hmm. And he just didn't know what to do, he didn't know what to do. So he prayed, God, show me what to do. And he opened the Bible at Deuteronomy 1, and it says this, you've stayed long enough at this mountain break camp and advance to the hill country <laughs> and he took it as a direct word from God to go to this church which is in a hill country um and I, like Garang didn't he 
he he would say that he had misused the Bible, really. But yeah, the Lord used it in such a kind way because the Lord is incredibly kind and gracious, isn't he? But sometimes that's how we misuse the Bible or have a misconception about the Bible that we think, oh, I'll just open up and see what God wants me to do today. Do you know what I, do you know what I mean? I don't know. If like, that's... It just directly applies to me and God is going to talk to me throughout what's happening in my life. Um, is that yeah. something to jump off the page? Um, like get to the hillside <laughs> yes yes exactly so uh, I uh, I often relate to that story myself and I often hear people talking in those not quite that way but in those kinds of way about you know God speaks to me through the Bible and what they mean is I had a direct verse that told me to do that mm-hmm. um you know who I should marry or what I should do or where I should work um yeah or there's I suppose another misconception that Christians can hold is that the Bible is just a book of of texts that sort of you collect passages that tell you how to live and think how to work out your sexual ethics how to work out um your your morality and sort of we gather all these verses together to prove certain points um and again that can lead us into trouble can't it because you can use the bible misuse the bible to say all sorts of things can't you and we've seen that quite recently in in many areas of christian life people using the bible to prove whatever they wanted to prove so i think those are some of the misconceptions that people within the church have about the bible thank you and i feel like you know there's misconceptions within the church but largely in our culture it's just (laughs) the the church isn't the main element of culture anymore um and the misconceptions just about the bible and culture is massive um and and i was thinking about me when i was like I, I grew up in a christian home but i wasn't a christian until university and i just thought the bible was just boring and irrelevant and not true in any sort of sense at all um just written by a few like religious monks or something like hundreds of years ago that wanted to I think just like make a claim for or make a reason for what they're believing and um and like again I, you don't really think through this much as you're growing up um but it's just irrelevant boring false um and I feel like that can so easily seep into so much other culture it's just being like do you know what we've moved on we've moved past this in our generation why are you following a book and I feel like just even more recently as you mentioned just the way that our culture perceives morality and um it just even ostracizes the bible further in that yeah yeah um so if these are you know, mm-hmm. some of the misconceptions um what actually is the bible can you help us think through this well yeah i think um what you've said is is just so true andy isn't it that we we even <clears throat> as christians can feel a little bit embarrassed about the bible um, because yes it is an ancient book isn't it it's it contains so many incredible stories you know we've got the creation of a kind um we've got Noah's Ark we've got Jonah and the big fish um and they seem unbelievable to a modern audience um and you know with some of the other things that I mentioned as well you know the the Bible is full of wisdom and law and um, guidance for living 
even facts for learning like I said it contains 66 books written by more than 40 authors using different genre of writing poetry history law apocalyptic and there are three different languages in the bible so what is this book well in 2 Timothy 3 16 it says all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so God has spoken to us through these different writers to reveal who he is. Mm -hmm. It shows us who we are and what God has done in the world. It is a book about how God relates in his world mm -hmm. and his, how he relates to human beings and how he reaches out to us to invite us to know him. And so first and foremost, the Bible reveals God and makes him knowable. Amazing. Um, very different to us focused like we kind of mentioned earlier um, you mentioned that that is God breathed and it's something that I've heard you know like throughout the last few years but something that I don't think I understand very well um, how can you help us understand this like what does it mean that the Bible is God breathed yeah it's a the Timothy passage is definitely one of my memory verses from growing up. Um, but, you know, breath is a real theme in the Bible. Um, I wonder if maybe if I give you a few illustrations from the scriptures about what breath is, that might help with understanding this. So if you go back to Genesis and the account of God creating the hu human beings, when he creates Adam from the dust, he breathes into Adam. And he becomes a living being. So God's breath gives life. And it is the Holy Spirit being breathed into the, the mm. human um, person to, to create that life. Um, there are many, many other references to wind and breath. The same word is used. Um, but if you, if you were to, to sort of jump on to somewhere like Ezekiel 37, we have the Valley of Dry Bones. And the word of God comes to the to the dead bones and they become an army. But it's when God breathes, when the Holy Spirit comes, that they come to life again. Or when you think in the New Testament, Jesus in John 20, he breathes on his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. And of course, Pentecost, the wind comes through the house and they receive the Holy Spirit. So the breath of God in the Bible is always speaking about the Holy Spirit coming to give life. And so God breathes into the writers, into those 40 authors and breathes life so that they can write the true word that he gives them. So the spirit of God, the breath of God inspires human writers to write the good word of God for us. Thank you. That's really cool. That does help massively. I was like, wow, that's really cool. Like bringing in those different understandings of breath is something that I haven't actually thought of at all ever. So that helps massively. Yeah, thank you. But, you know, God breathed through different humans. And you mentioned there there's like 40 different authors, like human authors that wrote the Bible. Wouldn't that contain errors? Because like to human is to make errors, basically. Yeah, I mean, that is that is so true, isn't it? And it's very hard for us to believe that a book that took thousands of years to be collected with all these authors um, wouldn't wouldn't be sort of a mess. 
you know, if we were doing that, imagine if we tried to get 10 authors from different continents who spoke different languages to write on a theme. We would never get them to all write about the same stuff, would we? But yet the Bible is true and without error. Mm. Um, And it is because it is God's inspired word. It is about him. It is breathed out by him and therefore is like him. Psalm 119, 137 says, you are righteous, Lord, and your laws are right. So if he is righteous, so if God is unable to lie, if he is good, perfect, loving and true, then his word will be like him. Mm. So there aren't errors. There aren't mistakes in the Bible. And it is a miracle. Of course, that is miraculous. That's not what we would expect. Um, And I'm always really intrigued that the Lord Jesus is never embarrassed by the scriptures. Um, The scriptures are constantly on his lips. And he talks about those stories I mentioned, you know, Noah's Ark, Jonah and the big fish, Adam and Eve, Abraham, David, Solomon, all these people. He speaks of them as historical, accurate characters. So we need to be careful how we we treat those um, characters as well. If Jesus treats them as history, so do I. Um, I just want to say one thing, and it's not in any way a caveat, it's just an explanation really, that we need to be careful readers of the Bible. Um, So the Bible is inspired, not just in the words used, but also in the form that was used. Mm -hmm. So when the Bible speaks in poetry, or as a letter or in apocalyptic literature or whatever it is, God has inspired the form as well as the words. And so um, we need to be careful readers if we really want to hear from God. One of my favorite passages at the minute is Deuteronomy 33, uh, verses 26 to 27. And it says, there's no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides across the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are his everlasting arms. Mm. And this, I, I just meditate on this verse a lot. I think it's beautiful and it is true. It is beautiful, true poetry and powerful image that helps me to grow in my confidence that God is the God of heaven and earth and that he is for his people. You know, he rides across the heavens to help us. It is true. It is true that God rides across the heaven, but not in a simple kind of literal way. It's not literal. Mm -hmm. It is true, Mm -hmm. Um, but in that powerful imagery way, rather than in some kind of image that the pagan gods maybe would have ridden in a chariot. Um, our God is, is this wonderful God who rides across the heaven. Um, so yes, yeah, so the Bible is as good as God is. He wrote it um, through 40 authors um, and his goodness is seen throughout it. Um, but perhaps most clearly we see the goodness of the scriptures when we realize that the whole bible is pointing us to the word of god Mm -hmm. jesus is the word made flesh who makes god known to us and as one of the reformers says jesus comes to us clothed um, in the gospel yeah thank you alison that is really helpful thinking through um i had you know it's quite common to read throughout the bible that 
God described as a rock. You know, he is our rock, he's our fortress. And then someone explaining this to me before said, you know, God's literally not a rock. <laughs> you know, our God isn't just, you know, a bit of stone on the ground. And I was like, yes, that makes sense. Um, so you need, to be, you need to be careful with how we interpret and how we read the Bible. But, you know, thinking that God is true and he is like who he is in nature is that he's true, he's real, he's faithful, he doesn't lie. So his word doesn't either. Um, so that's really helpful thinking through, thank you. And something that I've kind of struggled to understand a bit before, but there's 66 different books in the Bible. Yeah, I think you mentioned that. Yeah. And do they contain just 66 different stories or is there one kind of story throughout the Bible? Yeah, well, there are more than 66 stories, <laughs> but there is one unifying story in the whole of the Bible. Um, as I mentioned earlier, God is in relationship with his people. And through the stories of that relationship, we see what the, what the full story of the Bible is. Maybe I could read again um, from the Bible. So Hebrews 1, 1 to 4 says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. So you see all the law, all the prophets, all the history, the wisdom, the poetry, brings us to Jesus and to his work of salvation on our behalf. Um, here in this passage, we say, don't we, that Jesus makes God known to us. It is the Lord Jesus who shows us what God is like. And he is the, the word made flesh, as we said, from John 1, who finishes God's work of salvation for his people. And so the whole of the Bible, every book of the Bible, the 66 books, um, they bring us to Jesus and bring Jesus to us. He comes to us from the pages of scriptures. I love the stories at the end of Luke, um, you know, in Luke 24, and Jesus is meeting with his disciples after the resurrection. And um, oh yeah, if there was one Bible study I'd love to be in, it would <laughs> be these. And so in uh, Luke 24, when he's with the men on the road to Emmaus, he says to them, how foolish you are and slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all scriptures concerning himself. And then later on, he says, this is what was written, that the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem and so the bible is God's revelation to us of his son who came to suffer and die and rise so that all the people all the nations of the earth can be redeemed and restored and brought into relationship with the God who made them so 
if we're reading the Bible for information download or to get that exact, exact message about what I should do today or whatever those other misconceptions were, we'll miss the point of the Bible, which is to get to know Jesus who brings us to God, to get to know Jesus who also sends us out in mission to the nations. And that is the story of the Bible. It's a story of God redeeming the nations through his son that is amazing um that is mm-hmm. vastly bigger than ourselves which is so encouraging um because when there's a story about us it's very limited um but an eternal story of god and his salvation that he's brought through um and like an eternal story that is written with you know written obviously in time but but that goes beyond time um you know it goes before time started and carries on throughout eternity um and you know there's a you can help me out here but there's you know a verse in the bible um that says you know like all things will pass away but the word of god wouldn't pass away that is hold that holds on true for till forever that's just really big <laughs> it's vastly bigger than i think i've kind of given appreciation for yeah and you know as just kind of summarizing you know the bible is god's word it's god's revelation about who he is and how he relates to us and as he said there with those passages in Luke it's like it's really clear that it's revealing who Jesus is and that's amazing when we can come and see that but you know I can speak personally is that sometimes it's so hard to try and find Jesus in the Bible Um, but then thinking even more broadly you know you can have religious professors that study scriptures pretty much all their lives but yet they still miss Jesus how but if it's like if scripture is all about him, then how come we so easily miss him when we see scripture? Yeah, that is it's such an important question, isn't it? Because I think we can lose confidence in the scripture because of that. But interestingly, Jesus, as I said at the beginning in John 5, says it's possible to diligently study the scriptures and miss him. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Bible is not surprised about that. So back in Genesis 3, when we as humanity reject God, we become spiritually blind and dead. Um, so it is, it is absolutely possible to read the Bible and not meet with God. We need to be made alive. We need for God to breathe into us. We need the Holy Spirit who inspired the authors of the Bible to inspire us as we read it. Reading the Bible is about having a relationship with the author and therefore we um, should expect the author to speak to us because in Christ we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be unified with Christ, isn't it? And it's an amazing reality for every Christian believer. When we come to the Bible, we ask the Lord to speak um, so that we can know him we know that he will answer that prayer because it's his desire that we would know him and as his holy spirit works in our lives we hear his voice we see his son we rejoice in salvation and we take part in mission that is what the holy spirit does in us but that is not natural that is something that needs to happen to us as we turn in repentance and faith um, to the lord jesus so Yes, it is really, really easy to read the Bible as some historical artifact and miss the point of Jesus because of our spiritual blindness and death. Mm. 
And I think we can see that as well, just when we open up scripture with a non-Christian or someone that doesn't believe in God and in his revelation in scripture. And there's times where like, you know, I've gone to church with a non-Christian friend for a while, and which is amazing. And like, I should praise God that he's there and he's with me. But, you know, we can, you can have a, you know, a passage like preached so wonderfully and Christ is like revered and like glorified. And I'm saying it's like, yes, absolutely. Amen. But then I would talk to him afterwards and it'd just be completely missed and, you know, washed over. And, you know, it's not the preacher's fault, but there is a spiritual blindness there, which is difficult. But on this side, being a Christian, it's something that we can take genuine encouragement from because we have been brought into this relationship. You mentioned like we are like united with Christ. We can't be closer with Christ. And so you mentioned, you know, like we have the Bible and the Bible proclaims who he is. We can come to know him more through the scriptures because it's all about him. And we're brought into this relationship. So like, I guess it's natural for us then to want to read the Bible and want to delve into it more. And it's because we have this relationship is what we brought into. And we want to be able to understand that and know that more and know Jesus more, which is really encouraging for me. And I feel like you know, we'll talk about it next week and think about how we can find joy in scripture. But I feel like this definitely is that foundation of it is understanding what it's about. And yeah, we can come to the Bible to learn more about him, learn more about Jesus, learn more about who he is, um, his nature, his character. We can see his heart and we can look at his world and see who we are in light of him. And then again, as I mentioned before, we can come to the Bible and read the eternal story that we've been brought apart into. And that's exciting. <laughs> Thinking, just even just reading that then, or just saying that then, it's like, it's far more exciting than the other conceptions that we have of it. It's just like a religious text or like a rule book or like behavior control or something. Um, that's far more grand and bigger which is really cool, which is really cool. I want to spend more time into this. <laughs> which, yeah, so thank you, Alison, for your time here today. I've really, I've actually really enjoyed this um, and thinking through this. It's been really encouraging for me. And you will be here next week with us just like thinking about how we can find joy in this, how like thinking more practically, how we can open up scriptures, see Jesus being brought into relationship and have it as a true joy. Something that I've struggled with. And I feel like if you're a Christian, you struggle with this, <laughs> but you know, reading and wanting to read and find joy and, you know, understanding the Bible. Um, so we'll have you here next week thinking about that further. And just as we close here, is there any words of wisdom or just an encouragement you want to share with the small group leaders today? Yeah, I think um, that what I'd really like to encourage you in today is the reality that the spirit who inspired the word of God is at work in your life, and also in the Christian students that you are studying with. But he's also at work in the world, pointing people to Jesus. And so when you open the Bible in your small group or one-to-one -one with people, you are engaged in a mighty work that is being inspired by the Holy Spirit and in step with him. So please don't become discouraged in that work. Don't give up meeting around the word because the scriptures will encourage, inspire, they will bring joy, they will bring change in the lives of your group, even though it feels slow. 
And even though we don't always see it, um, keep the Bible at the center, because as as we gaze at Jesus together, as we look at the word together, then mission on campus will flow from there. So don't be discouraged in maybe that really bad Bible study that you think nobody was really interested in. The word will do its work. Um, so please keep on keeping it at the center. Mm, that's encouraging for me as well I'm just like yes yes Alison preach um <laughs> something that I think we've dismissed as well I then again I'm just on top of my head it's been brought to my mind um but you know the word of God is described as being powerful you know like a double-edged sword and it's something that we just need to keep in mind being like the word is powerful God will work it's like the gospel will spread and it will grow and we don't know how but it's it will happen um yeah so that, that's cool thank you for just that encouragement there at the end. And that does bring us to the end here of our time together. Thank you again, Alison. And thank you all for listening. I hope that you've enjoyed this and you've been encouraged um, as well as me. And again, I mentioned, I will see you here next week with Alison as well, opening up how we can find joy in the Bible together. And so that is us for today. Um, thank you, Alison. And thank you all for listening. Add it up. Oh, oh, oh.